episode 134 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast takes off now. So hello, I'm Sebastian Vloch, and I'm the CEO at Asobo Studio. Hey y'all, my name is Jörg Newman. Um, I'm the head of Microsoft Flight Simulator at Microsoft. AV Nation, what is going on? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Today's episode is a very, very cool episode. It is one that I had to reach out to a lot of the AV Nation. If this wouldn't have been possible without the help from everyone collectively, I reached out on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, uh, emails, at DMs, everything to make this happen. We have Microsoft Flight Simulator and Asobo Studios on board today. We have your from Microsoft Flight Simulator and we have Sebastian who is the CEO of Asobo Studios and it is a great episode. I had 30 minutes, we stretched it out to 45 so thank you so much for uh, for understanding and letting me go over with time. I just had so many questions. I could have asked so many more questions but it's a great conversation that we have uh, and just their understanding of how much of a role this plays in the aviation community and how great of a contribution this is to the community as well. I haven't been able to play it yet but what I've seen on YouTube and everything else is, is amazing and I've heard from friends. I look forward to playing it here sometime soon. But I just want to say thank you again to Sebastian and to Jorg and to Christian for getting this set up. I really, really appreciate it. Aviation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do not forget to enter the Learn the Fighter Points Ground School giveaway. You just have to go to the link in the description below. You have the chance to win one free ground school. You have the chance to win a four-flight pro subscription and a four-flight Century ADS-B. That is a great great giveaway. And all you have to do is fill out the survey at learnthefighterpoints.com. Aviation, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I appreciate all of you all and uh, listening and sharing and just helping grow Pilot the Pilot. Just remember to leave a review if you haven't already. Follow us on Pilot the Pilot. And you can also be a Patreon supporter if you want. For as little as $1, you can help support the podcast. And it means the world to me. But Aviation, I don't want to hold you up any longer. So without any further ado, here is Jorg and Sebastian from Microsoft Flight Simulator and Asobo Studios. Jorgen Sebastian, what's going on? Welcome to the Pilot the Pilot podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, I'm happy to have you guys here. Jorg, I love uh, the, the German y'all you threw in there. We talked a little bit before how you're from Germany, lived in Texas, now live in Seattle. So uh, the German y'all is awesome. That's <laughs> yeah, hopeless. I'm from the South as well. So all the way, man. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I just wanted to uh, just thank you guys both for coming on first. This is a, this is an awesome opportunity to talk with you. Uh, my community, uh, called them the AV Nation, but they have just, every single time I talk to someone, they always bring up their love for flight simulator. The first question I always ask is, why aviation? Why did you get involved in aviation? And 90% of the time, it's always like, well, I had a computer and I had flight simulator and I was trying to figure out how to fly in there. And then it kind of just grew a love from there all the way to people used the older flight simulators to train for IFR. They would uh, kind of figure out the procedures in the airplane and then they could use it to kind of ground school and teach themselves and feel more comfortable in the plane itself. So I don't know if you know it, how big of a role you actually have played in the aviation community, but I'd be willing to bet more than half of the pilots that are flying now, probably more are directly related to flight simulator. So it's awesome that it's back and it's been hugely received as I've seen. 
And it's funny that you say that because we obviously talk to a ton of pilots and I, I, the number I always use is about that. It's 50% that say, oh my God, I got my start in aviation with Microsoft Flight Simulator back in the 80s. And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was actually, it's what it's always been one of the inspiring things. And uh, like when we, even when we started talking about making a new one, it came sort of with this hope that we can inspire another generation of aviators, you know, because... You know, it's it's it looks it looks nice, and it, it it is a little bit. We try to make it accessible for newcomers, and so we're really hoping this is going to bring this is going to bring a bunch of newcomers in, and they fall in love like so many people already did before them, and then we get more aviators in the world, which would that's great. That's a good thing. My first question was, uh, did you? I, Jorg and I talked about this before, Sebastian, but did you guys both play Microsoft Flight Simulator from uh, the earlier games, or was this kind of uh, Sebastian? Were you kind of new to this when uh, you guys were creating this one? Um, I got my first PC in '89, '88, and it had a and I had Flight Simulator on floppy disk, like the the big ones, and I think it was the two Flight Simulator two. Um, so I played quite a lot on this one. I played a lot on I had Amiga. There was a few, um, I think it was fighter jet simulators. Um, I, fly, I played a lot on, on, on Amiga. Um, and, uh, I think, yeah, it's, 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 but I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't become a pilot because of that. It's just, I, I like software games in general, I, I really liked flight simulators at the time because they were pretty much the first things in 3D out there. I was really passionate about 3D games and um, I also played, I think, a Spitfire game on Amstrad or something. But I mean, the runway was really just two lines, right? But I think it was the very first time I got like a wow moment and oh my, this is 3D, what's going on here? I like almost made me dizzy, right? But if you look at the fidelity, it was it was like ridiculous but <laughs> it's it's uh um uh, but i think yeah that's but i was never i, I never became a, a huge simulation fan more than I, I never customized or added add-ons but i liked and then later on i i think i tested a few flight simulators um maybe two or three but more like i just used them did the missions and, and enjoyed flying around um what are you your uh, yeah, so I, I was just thinking. Like, so my brother and I, we got this ITT 2020, and I was like, "What year was that?" So it was somewhere in the 80s. And I remember there was uh, the the few games I, I loved was there was Auto Duel, and then there was Wasteland One, I think, and then there was Flight Sim. So I remember playing Flight Sim with my brother when I was a little kid, and then the the then I remember in the 90s buying a Pentium 60. Which was my first, first like proud on my own computer. That was just mine, and uh, I think it was Flight Sim '95 or '98. It's one of those, and then I played quite a bit. And at, that was at the time when I started really working in the game industry. And I, you know, I worked at a company called Origin Systems in Texas, and we made a bunch of flight games. We actually had Pacific Strike, Strike Commander, Wings of Glory. Uh, and then I worked on the Jane's games a little bit, like U.S. Navy fighters, U.S. Marine fighters and all that stuff. So I was, I, I started actually with Flight Sim and then I got more into the sort of the action-y type of aspects of Sim. Later I worked on space games and stuff and it's, it's so I've, but I love, so that's on the plane side, but I, but I really always loved planes, 
you know, like that, that's the thing. Like I, I, I came more from the real world, loving planes, just touching them. It's just amazing. You know, they're such awesome machines. So it's, it's that combination. So, it, the, you know, the love can come from all kinds of places. And I think for me, it probably started with the planes themselves. And then as we get more and more closer to a real world look and feel of the planes, I think that's, I sort of re-energized my love for it all, really. Are you both pilots? Do you have, uh, have licenses to fly actual planes? So, so uh, I, I'm trying to pass it. I passed my theory. Uh, so in France, we have a, um, once you get finished, right? So you have to do uh, the flight lessons. Uh, then you have courses in the evening. So I did all that. Then there's internet training. Then there's all sorts of stuff. So I went through all this and I did in February, I passed the license in at the airport and I got it first time. And then you have 18 months, you know, to do a, um, you have to do a flight with a instructor like a big instructor. I wanted to do that in the spring, and, but the problem is like the week after I passed my theory, they shut down everything. <laughs> Terrible time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was sort of sitting without flying for a few months and I was able to fly again three times. Uh, the problem is my instructor now is uber busy. So he's fly, he, he flies, um, is it a Hawker or something? Like a private jet? Yeah, Hawker. Okay. He works for... I think it's a hawk. I'm not sure which one, but um, um, he flies. So he outsources for an insurance company. And so they have a lot of work right now. So he's like always away, um, always flying. And so it's cool because I get nice photos and stuff. But uh, and the Aero Club, the problem is like uh, maintenance. There's a lot of planes which are, which are out of because what so what I found is they have no problems um, to get the plane certified again. Uh. Because everything was shut down because of COVID, but you need to have your planes certified every now and then. And so uh, currently there's problems to get planes. There's problems to get my my calendar because we're super busy right now. Uh, the instructor's calendar. So um, I hope I will pass the um, practical uh, thing in this autumn. Uh, but autumn is really shitty weather here. So um, I've, I looked at the past years when I flew, it was really a lot in the in the spring. Uh, February is really great because uh, February is perfect because usually we have great weather and it's cold and planes have great performance uh, when it's cold here. Yeah, uh, July, July, August is awful because it's hot. Um, the planes don't perform well and it's hot in the cabin. You know, and it's really hard to, I mean, you sweat and it's, you I don't like it at nasty. all. smell nasty. You smell like a, an airplane when you get out of it. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I hope I will get it this autumn. If I can, otherwise it's going to be in the spring. My kids really, they're asking me every day, why are you going to fly? We want to go fly. And I can't, right? I can fly solo, but I can't take anyone until I get the PPL. So yeah, definitely. What are you, Jorg? But it's been, it's been three years. Yeah. Okay. Um, they say, they say that the right answer is not yet. <laughs> So I used to fly around in Texas, like my, like I was super lucky. My wife's grandfather had two planes. He had a Global Swift and, a, and just a 172. And he was a, he was a Korean War bomber pilot and, uh, and was an FAA, FAA instructor. Um, so, so he taught me, but I never really went to school. Like Seb is way ahead of me <laughs> on theory and practice, but it's something I want to do. Like, so I'm, you know, like it's, it's funny because I'm playing now a ton in the surf. And I want to do it in the real world now. It's I'm actually now, I'm, it's my own dog food. <laughs> this is great. I love it. You live in a great yeah. place for it. I mean, Seattle and the, the Washington area has a million airports to go learn to fly. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. <laughs> so I was laughing when Seb said the weather is shitty in Bordeaux. Dude, 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm about to hit the eight month, the eight month of winter. <laughs> He's not going to see the sun for eight months. <laughs> well, going back to the game a little bit, it's kind of interesting. You both brought up uh, playing the older versions. And when you look at the older versions graphics right now, like you can barely even make out stuff. It They look, I mean, I don't want to say they look terrible. They just look very vintage and they look very, obviously what graphics look like back then. Uh, compared to where they are now, is, was that comparable per year? So say like in 95, were those graphics like groundbreaking, groundbreaking graphics like they are right now? Like where you feel like this is like so cool, so like so real. Like now you look at a thunderstorm and it looks like people are having trouble seeing actual flight sim pictures on Instagram in real life and figuring out which one's real, which one's fake. Uh, were the graphics kind of similar or groundbreaking in, in their respective years? I think so. I mean, I think one of the things the series is really known for is that it, it really pushed whatever was possible on a PC at the time it came out. And I remember when I, like, I remember my Pentium 60, right? There were co two cool things. There was this game Mist, which was like a 2B pixel clicker, basically, but it looked nice, right? It was like, whatever it was, 64480. And we're like, oh my God, 64480. I can't believe it. And I remember flying to Chicago and I was like, 3D buildings. Oh my God. They have 3D buildings in the world now. It's amazing. And, you know, I, I remember being totally impressed by it. Well, you yeah, said. I, I think, I think, um, I think this is what is great is that, um, I, I remember the very first time I played. Um, so obviously the, 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 I mean, I, I talk about the old one in the late eighties, right? Um, obviously you're not, you, you never thought you were flying around the real world at the time, but definitely you were flying. And I remember this moment where it, it was really my very first screen in 3D, right? And I was like, oh, it made me dizzy, right? I was like, oh, like this sort of, and, and I think what is great with Flight Simulator is pushes, it pushes every time the boundaries of what's possible that people keep getting surprised. So today, so when, first, when we did our prototype three years ago, first time I saw the thing, I got dizzy again. It's like, whoa, because now it feels like you're in a real world. And I read a lot of comments there's this thing that people can't make a difference between the photo and real life. But then the first time they launch the simulator and fly, it makes you dizzy. You're like, what? It feels like you're really flying. And, and that's that's a great thing. And I think Flight Simulator was able to do that. Every time it came out, it pushed the boundaries and, and brought this new layer of, um, of immersion. Yeah, definitely. Jorg, this next question is for you. And Seb, you're Sebastian, you might have a uh, an answer as well. But what was the reason for kind of ending the series originally or maybe delaying it? I don't know if it was like we need to take a minute or two to, to really do this how we want it to be done or was it just like, eh, it's kind of stagnant, it's kind of stalling. The aviation industry was kind of stalling at that time too. Was it a bunch of things or was there kind of one real reason why it happened? It's, it's you know, it's 14 years ago and, and I actually was at Microsoft then, but it's I honestly think it's somewhat lost in the midst of time. I, I remember then we were very focused, getting more and more focused on Xbox. I remember that because I was working... I was working on a PC game called Freelancer, which is a space space trading game and stuff. And at some point, there was a lot of interest, like, hey, let's make Xbox games. And Xbox was cool, right? They were like, hey, you know, console. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it maybe was that. Maybe there's also, at some point, it, 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 that particular engine probably ran its course. Like, what you... It was interesting when we, when we, before we ever started writing code here uh, or anything, we actually looked, we spent so much time in forums and talking to people and, and just talking to simmers, what do they want? And the, 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 the two things, there were three things that popped, honestly, for me. There was the, please, 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 why can't we look as good as like a modern game like Forza, right? That's a racing game that we have. 
And then the next thing was, can we please finally get an engine that takes that takes advantage of modern hardware? So both of those things were pretty clear indications that a new engine was really needed. Like you can't just keep iterating on some. Sometimes there's so much legacy stuff. You just it's good to start over. Like it really is. And then and then the the other thing they wanted was VFR. That was that was that was interesting. We we're like, yeah, man, VFR is this is can this be done now? And the answer is. Yes, it can be done now. So that that was actually the so the going to a complete new engine was was kind of predetermined based on the feedback, and then also getting the world to look exactly right so you can actually do VFR uh, everywhere. That was what drove a lot of the. We need to take the planet further. We need to get this exactly right. It needs to look as close as we can possibly get it. Uh, and the next one, let's see here. So when you guys were making this game. What was kind of, I guess here, there's a better point to ask it. Was there ever a spot in, in the development of this game where you were at a crossroads of sacrificing design quality so it will run smoother? Was there ever kind of like, a, all right, we need Chicago to look this great. I will never make it look any any worse than this. Or was it always like, like kind of working and building to make sure that you can get it to be as pretty and run as smooth as possible? I don't know if that makes sense or not. It's mm. mm, a good question. I wouldn't, I mean... <laughs> Not really. Uh, I mean, the problem is in, in, in software engineering, I don't know, when when you look at how the clouds work, right, it's it's you cast a ray in the sky and you take samples every few hundred meters and then you look if you touch a cloud and if not, you go forward and, and that's how it works. You can almost add more samples, right? But at some point, it doesn't make a quality difference. So I remember what we did. We we always pushed to the limit where more wouldn't do better. So right, that's always what we did. We said, okay, let's let's push it to the maximum, where basically you don't have any gains. And uh, I remember, and, and on the PC is a great tool because it allows you to um, to basically go super far. Right, we 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 could make a version of the simulator which uses sixty four gigabytes or more. It would still run, right? You don't have a real hard limit. Like the PC, just it gets just slower, but you can add stuff. And I think we really explored. Um, um, I mean, we pushed the boundaries really, really hard on many things. And then what we did, we optimized, we optimized it back in, because then what what you do that again? Yeah, you go in the cloud and say, okay, um, now that everything is coming together, how far can I reduce sampling counts before you actually start seeing the difference? And you take it down, you take it down, and then oh, now I see it. And then you go back up and you stop it. Just like I don't know when you when you do mixture on a when you lean your engine, you do the same, right? You go down, you go down. Oh, now I, I get a performance drop, and you go back up a little. That's exactly how we did it on the optimization. And uh, and I think we 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 pushed it as hard. And that's why you also also see currently GPU is a GPU and CPU are sort of struggling, right? At 100, percent they're sort of. And uh, and I think we're pushing. I don't think we did any compromise. Um, I mean, uh, the real world traffic you see as far as the Ryzen goes, clouds go to the Ryzen. Um, the Bing data, we display everything we get. We didn't like cut out half of the world or whatever to to just lighten it up. And I think this is really thanks to modern hardware. I mean, it it was just the right timing, right? The modern GPUs, CPUs, PCs. With the fact that we have SSD, I think you you it's very hard to do the same thing if you don't have a SSD. If you have a like the hard drives you had 20 years ago. Um, I think everything is right at the t at the right timing and fits together, and so I think as a developer, I didn't feel I didn't feel uh, limited at any time. I think that's that was a great time uh, to make this new edition. I think there's a couple of things 
that are maybe a little bit unusual actually about the development um, in that we merged things. Like we merged the FSX code base into the Asobo engine, meaning we had a sim, a good sim from the get-go. And it was really a case-by-case, case, <clears throat> what can we improve? I mean, the world was obvious, right? And then when you have the world, you need better weather and the wind simulation and the atmospheric simulation, all that stuff. The, ren the render was obviously completely different. But sort of like, what are we bringing up? was really the question. Like in, so, in some cases, we didn't go maybe as far as one can go. Like the ATC, it's not like we completely rewrote everything. We added to what was there because it was actually pretty good. But could it go better? Just listen to the community that they certainly tell us, hey, <laughs> you could do some more. Yup, and we will. It's just a question of when. There's a couple of exits we t we've taken. So it's not like we dumbed it down ever or we we didn't try to push it to the max what we could at the time. But I remember saying, hey, do we want to do helicopters? Uh, and we said, it's a it's a bridge too far. To do it well, it needs real baking time. And it's just a completely different thing. And we just, that's where we like, we'll do it later. You know, we'll, we'll have enough aircraft to get people to, like you can go from a bush plane all the way to the 787, right? So it's nice, but doesn't, don't do everything. Because at some point or another, you either, you, you either overspend time and development team also needs to get, you need to get a product out, right? You really need to go get feedback from people, right? And if you overbuild it, sometimes you don't get there. So I'm, I'm happy where we are because we basically have a really great product out there. We get feedback um, and then we have a roadmap and commitment everywhere that we're going to do this for the next 10 years. So we're like, hey, look, you know, there's no panic here to get jam everything into into one, one thing. VR was similar. We actually had started with VR and at some point we're like, eh, let's just not do VR at launch. And then we heard plenty that we needed to have VR. Like, oh, okay, well that was wrong decision. Let's go, let's go back into VR. And then the only other thing I would say, and it's it's probably the least understood, um, we are really cognizant that there's a community and it's a community of simmers and it's a community of creators. And they're both super important. In, in for their own reasons. And um, specifically on the creator side, like uh, there was a lot of discussion about study level, you know, the this, this word that people like to attach to something. But um, should we take all of our plans to study level? That was a, that was a question. And, um, and we said, no, we said we're a platform and we have to go wide because when we go wide, we enable the ecosystem to go wide with us. If we spend too much time going vertical, like for example, if we've taken our 8787 all the way to the end, I mean, we're working with Boeing, it's not like we don't have access to the information, but A, it would give us, it would just take up a lot of time to get there and it actually would negatively impact the ecosystem because there's only that many great airliners. And frankly, there's plenty of companies, PMDG, Flatsum Lab, there's plenty of them that make awesome, awesome airliners. We don't want to compete with them. We want to help them make their stuff awesome. So that's 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 probably the the main conscious choice. I remember saying we could go all the way, but I actually think it would be a net negative for the ecosystem that we really love and want to support. Yeah, I like that. I like two things you said there. Is one, it's, I think it's like a, a famous old fable, but like you can do everything okay, or you can do a few things really well. So you focus on the things that you can do really well, make them as perfect and as great as possible. And then over time, you keep implementing more airplanes, you keep implementing more cities, more uh, more features and VR or whatever it may be. And then like you said, it's very important to capture 
the whole community, whether that be new pilots or, or sim pilots or professional pilots and also the influencers, the creators, the people that just think it's fun to go fly and play for a little bit and kind of bring them into this world that you've created, that uh, the aviation world that, I mean, let's face it, everyone I feel like at one point has looked up to the sky and been like, man, it'd be so cool to fly. And their first thought is, why don't I just go f- fly flight simulator? So it's important for them to have a very easy, like I just need to get into a, a 737, an Airbus or whatever it may be and just go fly for a little bit and just like have fun and not worry about crashing, not worry about figuring out the systems, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the ecosystem, like, so I don't know to what degree you 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 follow that, but like the, so so when when we stopped with FSX, like 14 years ago, the ecosystem, the, the hobby went went on. It, it actually moved forward because those people invested their time, passion and energy into making new things, new planes. There were like, I think, I want to say 1600 planes were made and over a thousand handcrafted airports and lots of innovations like cool cameras, weather systems, all this stuff. It's so important for the hobby. And I am <clears throat> and I. I, there was a moment in time last year when we started talking to the third parties more, and uh, I had to tell them what planes we were making in the base sim. And I remember talking to this one group, and they're like, "Hey, we just finished our King Air. You guys don't have a King Air." I was like, "Oh, I do. I'm sorry." And they're like, "Oh no!" And it's the, the, there is sort of this coexistence, right? And we, we we try to be very cognizant of it. And 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 I think like what just happened, we opened up our marketplace, right? And we have sort of a partnership program. The, the official number I just put out yesterday is like 700, but it's actually more than that now. It's almost it's getting to be a thousand companies that have signed up to to make things for flight simulator, and we need to give them the space to be creative and and to to explore all the all the great planes that have been made and all the airports or whatever they want to do. Really, that's why we have an SDK, so people can be creative. Absolutely. Sebastian, uh, what was, or you're getting answers too, if you have an answer for it, what was the hardest, most difficult part about uh, uh, writing the code for this game, creating this game, the engine, just everything? What was kind of the most difficult part to bring it all together? Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the most difficult. Uh, I don't, yeah. Everything was sort of, Everything was sort of challenging. Nothing was. Um, yeah. uh, well, I guess you, I can ask a little better. When, when you are oh, yeah, reached, I, I remember one thing. I remember one thing that that was a little bit challenging for me, and I would say probably everyone. Um, one thing that I found difficult. It's the first time that I'm uh, developing a software where there's units all over the place. And so we are lucky because we, this is one thing we inherited from FSX. We did not change. We just did improved a little bit. But in, in, uh, in, uh, usually in a software, I don't know, you, um, you have the speed of something and it's going to be whatever meters per second. And there's a unit and that's it. That's it. And in, 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 in the, in the software, every number has a, has a unit attached. And every unit can be converted to every other unit. And there's 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 thousands, I mean, there's millions of lines of, of which the, the sole purpose is to convert stuff from one unit to the other. And uh, and it's a little bit all over the place. Um, and I think that's not the fault of Flight Simulator. It's not even the fault of the aviation industry. It's just the, the fact that it's been there for 100 years. And it's been there in every country of the planet. 
And sometimes people invent something in one country and it's feet and then another country it's meters. And then, and, and yeah, there, there is stuff all over the place and, and having to work with uh, thousands of different units. So I discovered slug, whatever, pound feet per second. I mean, I grew up in the metric system. And in the metric system, when you live with it, when you go to school as a kid and you learn physics, you develop, you develop this intuition, you know. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Is a, is a Cessna of 50 tons too heavy or not? You have an intuition. You say, no, no, no. Cessna is one ton. Cessna is one ton. It can't be 50 tons. It's one ton. Fighter jet, air, maybe 20 tons. You know it. I know that the Airbus is maybe, uh, 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 um, the airliner is maybe 100 tons, maybe 200 tons, a big one. I know that. Oh, my God. I'm talking about pounds and, and, and what? Um, um, what's the other thing uh, for the fuel? You What use the Americans? Gallons? Yeah. I'm like, what? This was challenging for me. And 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 the problem, yeah, and the problem, you're debugging the code and it goes from all, one unit to the other and then the next. And then and then when you start getting in the more complex units, right, when it's like a square foot, like pressure or square foot per slot per density of moment of inertia, of oh, this is a bit hard. And the problem is you're sitting in data, which doesn't mean anything. You see one million of stuff and you're like, we don't have any intuition anymore because you didn't grow up with this stuff, right? So when you see the moment of inertia of a 747 and it's in pounds and feet, I'm like, I have no idea if this is real or not. I'm like, okay. That that was a bit challenging. And it is still challenging. And and I I got a I got a one day of I, I call it my, my day of brain fog. It is when this collided with the fact that now. Um, so it, when you develop software, most of the 3D software consider up is up, down is down. Uh, this is right, this is left over. And we are on a planet, and the planet is round. And if you go round, you, you I mean, right, flat earthers, sorry, but if you go round, you end up on the other side. And the coordinate system we use is latitude, longitude, and it squeezes all up to the poles, right? All of a sudden, there's a there's a um, there's a right a, a single. Um, Similarity at the poles, and so you mix up latitude, longitude, and then there come feet, and then there come slug. I mean, yeah, it can be a bit challenging, and and this is just because you simulate the real world, and the real world it's it's not physics anymore. It's history. It's people who invented stuff, and and uh, and well, cup crafter use MPH, well they use MPH. They don't use nuts. And that's how it is. And you have to deal with it. That's aviation, right? It's it's a history. It's it's how it works. So it's pretty that much the United States' fault, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what, and two other countries? Things coming yeah, back. Yeah, the <laughs> has kilometers per hour, right? It doesn't yeah. have, it has a yet another system. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I'm funny. Because um, we're both from Germany, right? <laughs> this is a, every time I watch the Olympics and somebody says, oh, this long jump was 27 feet. And I'm like, Pfft. I have no idea what that means. Like literally no clue. That's funny. I give you another, I give you a completely different answer to your question. Okay. I think the, like, because it's so important to me, games and sims and products like this are not made by companies. They're made by individuals. Many individuals, they they live in companies or they work in companies, but it's the, the challenge that we, the biggest challenge, I think, and the greatest success is that when we started, Asobo was not a sim developer. And when we started the Sobo, it had nothing to do with aviation. And now we have a, a team of well over 100 people that are actually in in the subject matter. They, there's people that are experts in autopilots and Boeings. 
Seb, but I don't know how many books you read about uh, exactly how aerodynamics work. There's, it, it takes expertise to make these things. It took us almost four and a half years to get there, but I think we're there now. And it's and it's beyond a servo. Um, when we look at Bing people, like we get a lot of our map data from Bing. I, I always lovingly say they've never seen their data look so good. And it's true. And they love it. They they love it. And the, the, the weather people we work with in Switzerland, they love it too, because they typically just look at like vector fields and shit moving on in some 2D screen. And now they can actually see what their weather looks like in the 3, 3D world. So the passion and, and dedication of people wanting to make this aviation product great, I think is the greatest success we have. And it will carry us through the next 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually going to ask that. I was going to ask if, if the team is kind of an aviation-centric team, because pilots always complain that engineers create products for pilots, but there's always like some discomfort that come in it because it's not made by pilots. So if you have someone that is that, that loves aviation making this product and making this game, then it's going to be very, very intuitive for the pilot to fly the aircraft and, and uh, to get around with it and, and learn. I think it helps us that in some ways that we weren't pilots. Right, that's the thing. Because ultimately, that's the journey that many of the newcomers will take. So we can we can we can just empathize and and basically emulate the journey that you that you go through when you're taking your very first discovery flight and beyond. Chap, you were saying. Yeah. Uh, um, so I think this is something very important here. Um, so first of all, we have many pilots in the team, um, but um, I think we build a software for pilots. Or people who want to experience the um, flying an airplane, uh, we don't build the software for engineers, right? We don't build it for ourselves or for for some 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 goal of having the perfect formula. Uh, I, I think um, aerodynamics isn't 100% understood, right? There's a price of a million dollars if you, if you bring the subject forward out there. Um, even even aviation isn't 100% understood. There's risk. There's there's it's risk management. Nothing goes ever perfect. We understand why planes fly, but you can still inform fine debate. Is it the lack of pressure which is pulling you up, or is it the air going down? And there's still discussions about stuff like this. Um, I think it's something which is a little bit fuzzy, um, and it's it's also something that people live. And I think we build it foremost for pilots. When a pilot tells me that something is not right on the plane. Whether the formula is right or not, I go in and say, okay, what, what is wrong? Why is it, why is he saying that? And and uh, we we even though I think we brought the simulation, uh, the aerodynamics and the whole plane simulation forward a lot from from FSX, um, we're still spending a lot of time talking to um, uh, engineers and and, uh, and and you know who who build the airplanes, instructors, pilots. And uh, and try to understand what they need, what they want, how they what they feel, um, and I think it needs to perform right, but also feel right. Um, and uh, and the the complexity is huge, right? Because there isn't two same flights. Um, I talked about the differences between planes, but temperature, humidity, wind, lighting, clouds. I don't know the the pilot. Maybe is tired, not tired, whatever. There isn't it. it, it, it there is not two same flights. And so it's it's almost infinite complexity. You go in and you try again, different pilot, different thing, and you make it a little bit better all the time. And I think that's that's our goal. We're not trying to make something where engineers can say, yeah, with perfect formulas, put it on the wall, and then the pilots say, eh? this is not how it flies. 
And so, yeah, pilots are always first. And we spend so many hours sitting next to a pilot, looking fly, and ask him, what do you feel? What is the difference? Or pull-up tools where they can see and, and just experience the thing and go over again and again until they... I think maybe that's what you do when you build a new aircraft, right? When you make an experimental plane, you have the test pilot, and you move the wing a little bit, and you change this, and you add a bit more weight, and, and this and that and this. I think it's sort of this experience. And, uh, and, and I think also talking to many different pilots... Because every, I mean, I, I remember people talking about the uh, DV20, you know, diamond. Some people say it always drops when you stall, and some people say it never drops when you stall. And, and I have totally different pilots, like instructors, have totally different opinions. And and I think it's interesting to listen to both and uh, and experience the thing, or or even go fly and and just with them test it out, um, so that we can, I mean, really look at pilots and and what. Um, because it's a, in, in the end, it's a feel, right? It's a simulation that also makes feel the feel the planes. It's not just numbers, right? And it's both it's both right, right? That's the thing. Like because yeah. based on like the, I love that. Like except just just recently, uh, we had this discussion that people have these arguments. What does the Cessna feel like? Well, how does it fly? It's like, well, you know, it just depends on the plane. <laughs> you know, it's like you know. so uh, making affordances that people can recreate that and have some spiel, like basically some room to to customize. I think it's good, and I think that's that's what we're going to add here in the in the near future, just to get out of the my my Cessna flies wrong compared to my real world one, which is from the seventies. And then some other guys has a relatively new one. Yeah, it's a totally different plane. Let's get over it, you know. So, but I think yeah. embracing those things, I think, is key. I love that you guys I are aware of that. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I remember a flight when. Uh, uh, emergency landing, you know, when you train for um, engine failure, mm -hmm. and we did that on a grass trip, and I came in a bit high, and I was a bit slow to do all the stuff, you know, you put in the flaps, you uh, heater, you turn off the heater, you go full power, I was a bit slow, and it was hot, and we were heavy, and the instructor, all of a sudden, he says, I've got, I've got the commands, and he went all flaps in, and we just made it over the tree line, right? And, uh, and, uh, it was just the day. It was just the conditions, right? And uh, you could say, oh, the, the Robin isn't performing high enough. At that moment, you can't just say, I don't like the flight model and go out and, and, and restart, right? You're in there. And so what, what he told me is the pilot adapts to the plane and to the conditions, right? It's never going to be the same plane exactly. You're going to be heavier. It's going to be warmer. You need to adapt to what's going on. And you can't just say, oh, I don't like the flight model. It should be more powerful. I should make it over the tree line. You just adapt. Because that's because I have had, I mean, I only had 50 hours, right? I have not had two times the same flight. It's always different. And if you try to become 100% mechanic and not adapt to the situation, I think you can get it very wrong, right? You can you can almost panic because, oh my God, it's not going like I thought. And and I think this is important. So that's why we really look at at all the different experiences and make it so that fly, like, try to make the plane a, a, a something where you can adjust Right, you can have a weight adjustment, and and already the simulator having real world weather, it's never really the same flight because there's always different turbulences, there's always different temperature. It's trying to recreate that too. Yeah, and I love like I was gonna say I love that you're aware of that just because that is such the case. Like aviation is different every single time. You could do it all perfectly, and, and you could think you're gonna have a great landing, and you're gonna really screw it up at the end because you you just weren't thinking about maybe how humid it was or, or how heavy you are. There's just so many things that tie into each individual flight. 
that you can never replicate one flight. Like what works for one landing is not going to work for the next landing. You have to be in tune with the plane, with the weather, with so many things. And there could be distractions. You might have your wife and she doesn't fly and she's talking to you and you're distracted or not even your wife, your partner, whatever it may be. There's just so many things. And I think that's so great that you understand that to help implement that into the game. So everyone else understands that in case anyone takes us farther into just a flight sim love into an actual plane love, you know? Yeah. And I know we're, we are getting kind of close to the, the 30 minutes, a little bit past that. I want to respect your time. I have one question and we can, we can exit after this. I just, the end goal for flight simulator, I mentioned this before. I think it would be so cool. Two things. If there could be like some kind of like Red Bull racing in here or some kind of like community where we can build up and have fun racing and do some cool stuff like that or fly-ins. You can get some cub crafters and go land in the mountains of Wyoming and go hang out or something like that. Like I think there's so many cool possibilities. Have you ever thought about that? And two, what is the end goal for Flight Simulator in training? Do you want it to be a training tool or is it more of a community? So yes, we are talking about all these things uh, and a lot more. I mean, I would say the 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 thing we do a lot is we look at what the community wants and we write it all down. And sometimes we publish this out, but we have long, long lists of desires. And then uh, at some point we'll, we'll tackle them as they come. But all the things, literally all the things you just said, on the list, like every single one of them. So for us, when you think about like, we're gonna do this for 10 years, it's just a question of when, it's just prioritization. Right now we're spending all of our time, there were some install issues, so we go to just the install issues. And then obviously we're working on VR because we promised that and, and people want it on Xbox, so we're working on that. And and, and then there's bugs. So we, we'll, we'll try to find the right balance between pushing forward new things and, and, and addressing the here and now. Um, and then the end goal, I, my, I mean, the end goal is we're, the digital twin that we have now is just going to improve. Like, and, 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 you know, I oftentimes say there's planes flying right this moment over the northern hemisphere taking pictures. Those pictures will show up in the sim here. But, you know, after we process them and put our true machine learning trees on there and all that stuff. So the world is going to keep updating and technology and, and features will keep updating. And there's no, there's, there's no discrete endpoint that you can really make out there. Like, I think this is just gonna keep going. At some point we'll have like a very, very accurate depiction of earth everywhere. Uh, and, and and we're gonna get more flight, we're gonna get more information about the, the atmosphere. We're gonna get more, you know, we talk about things like the Northern lights or like should we do model tornadoes and supercells, you know, it's that you can go, there was a moment in time when we sat on a, on a beautifully rendered uh, hill somewhere in the Britannia or something. And the, the, the you know, the, Grass was waving in the wind. There was trees. I felt just right, and we got into this discussion. It's like, yeah, should we have butterflies and stuff? Like, and so I mean, you can literally because you can go infinitesimally small uh, forever. Like, it's, so it's just a question of prioritization. And maybe to the other question, this is an entertainment product. Um, there are a lot of people. We've been hit up by a lot of companies that see other uses, and we do talk about that. Like, it, but. It's, it also is in due time, right? The, the, the fundamental obligation we have is that we make we made a, a sim for simmers. And I think we've done a good job and they have more to say. They give us feedback and we need to pay attention. Before we get, uh, my, my boss always says, don't get distracted. Like just stay in the pocket. Make sure that what you do, you do well, because those, that's the trust relationship you have, right? Those are the people that <clears throat> came and bought in 
on, the, on day one, and we need to make sure that they're happy. And then after that, everything else is gravy. Uh, we want to. There's lots of opportunities, but but we have to pace ourselves and get do it at the right time. Sebastian? Okay. You have anything, if you don't have anything else to add, that's fine. I actually, I, I lied. One more. This is a quicker answer, I promise. This can be the last question. Is there anything that you both have worked on in this game that maybe, it can go both ways. You either thought was going to be awesome and really cool, but turned out no one really used it. Or is there something that you didn't think would catch on as much and people love? I... Mm, uh, um, so <laughs> I just saw one this morning, but I don't, I don't remember what it was. I, I, yeah, the thing is, there's so many little things, little details that we added or tweaked. And I really love it when someone discovers that it's actually there. Oh, yeah. So, so we completely um, reworked the, um, uh, the propeller uh, effect on the plane. So, for example, you need to understand, so FSX was tables where basically, uh, I don't know, if you want to have a prop wash effect or something, you just go in, well, engine power by five, it goes up. And um, so if we replace this with a system where the plane is surfaces and there's actually air flowing over it, we basically we basically get um, the effect of the propeller on the plane for free. Um, the only thing that we tweak a little bit is, well, the air may be, you know, when, when the propeller sends air, if it stays very narrow, you get the same strength for uh, very long, but usually it spreads out, and so the, the, the strength just weakens. So you can basically make it stronger or weaker, um, but the effect is for free. So when you turn um, the elevator up or down, well, you would just, um, um, it, it just works, right? The propeller is 50% power, you go up on the elevator, the, the tail of the, of the plane is going to lift a little bit. And so I just saw, I was reading a forum this morning and someone said, yeah, you know what I noticed? I was full break. I was doing the engine test and the plane was shaking a little bit. Well, that's because the propeller eats up turbulence and sends it back. So the, the airflow isn't perfectly even. And so the tail gets hit by a little bit of wobble. And so it makes the plane shake. And then he says, yeah, and then I go for power and I, I push the engine up and uh, the elevator up and down and the tail lifts and, and goes back down and it goes back up. And this is just, we didn't do anything for that. It just worked. And in the old simulation, you had to actually enter numbers and say how much this was doing. And uh, I, I, it made me smile because, it, oh, finally, someone saw this. So I'm sure people saw it before, but someone was uh, intrigued enough to actually put it on a forum. Uh, so, yeah, this is cool. I mean, there's a lot of, um, when you create um, a simulation by bringing together bricks of base simulation that just collaborate, there's emergent stuff, right? The, this is just something we didn't deliberately do. It just works because now that's how, how things are going. And uh, and it's cool when someone discovers emergent phenomena of, of the simulation. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I was thinking about your question. I, so, like my favorite thing, and it's mostly because I'm not a very sophisticated pilot yet. Like my favorite thing to do, yeah, but, but I mean it. I, I'm getting better, actually. <laughs> I'm happy to report I'm getting better. Um, but I love, I love just flying around and taking essentially bush trips and landing on a hill. Like, and I, I just love that. It embraces the planet. It feels free. Like, because I'm, I'm still intimidated by the ATC and stuff. It's like, oh my God, oh my God, there's all this stuff to do. Um, but just me and the world and landing somewhere. And I, that was actually somewhat controversial. Like, 
you know, I, I I worked on I worked on two games back in the day called Zoo Tycoon, and I love animals because I'm I actually have a biology degree and things like that, and there was a discussion about the fantasy of flight and how it pertains to animals, and the the fact of the matter is it doesn't it it actually kind of doesn't like when you're flying a plane around you don't you know outside of birds you don't really see animals, but what I do where I like love like to fly to Africa or something and just land on a hill and watch the sunset. <laughs> That's what I, I. That is what I'm. I'm, I'm very much a, a an aviation tourist at this very moment in time. I'm literally exploring the entire planet, and uh, and I think we. So we put some animals in, but it's it didn't quite go as far as as uh, as I might have hoped. But I'm I'm. It was fascinating because I think some website I forget exactly who it was put a video out the animals of of uh, of flight sim. And it got a ton of views, and then I was like, so I'm looking, I'm looking at that, like it's a, because I mean, I, I'm trying to, it's not, we're not making this thing for me, right? We're making it for the fans, so like I have a little bit of a, you know, leaning that direction. But anyways, it's it's one of the biggest questions I have right now. Then we have like what we call the static world, which is just geometry. Then there's the dynamic world, which is like seasons and wind, and you know that that. And then there's the living world, and and for me. It's the last step in the towards the digital twin that really make this feel exactly right, uh, like exactly as close to reality as you can go anywhere on a computer. And I think that's a pursuit that is in my heart. But I want to see what the what the community does, and if they agree, like if they don't agree, we'll deprioritize it. I'm not going to talk about it again, but it's kind of in my head, you know. That's funny. You saw the video with the animals. You're like, see, they love it. They want the animals too. Bring them more. I know, but, it's like, yeah, but, but that also might be leaning that I had that yeah. reaction to video. So I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll try to keep myself honest. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, Jorg and Sebastian, I appreciate you guys spending some time with me. This has been a lot of fun with me to have you both on. Uh, I don't know if you guys really understand how much of an impact you have on the aviation community with this game. So I just want to say thank you from all pilots, from people that are going to be pilots eventually, from people that just like to play video games. This is amazing. We love this. This really does mean a lot to us. And I know I can speak for for 50% at least of the pilots out there that this is awesome. And we really appreciate the time and effort, hard work and and dedication. I'm sure. I mean, thank your wives too for putting up for you guys having to work this hard for this game for us. So we appreciate, we appreciate them and the families. Uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking. And maybe one day we can have you on again in the future and talk more flight sim and, and nerd out some more so uh, I appreciate this so much and thank you guys so much for coming on also thank you and you're the first person to ever say that I will tell my wife she <laughs> appreciate that so it's, it's super I know my wife would appreciate that because she's the reason why I actually have this podcast I was playing too many video games thanks to you guys and she's like you need to start this podcast do something good and so my wife wants to thanks for that so I know that your wives and families would as well so yeah greatly appreciate it yeah thank you very much yeah, no problem. thank you both have a good day you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Nation, that is a wrap of episode 134 of the Pilot the Pilot podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was crazy cool to, to talk with uh, York and Sebastian. I had a lot of fun. I could have gone on forever. Uh, I just had so many questions asked them and they just both love aviation. They both love what they do and to see those two mixed together and to see them uh, just do what they love to do and and contribute to this community is amazing. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys are all playing this. If you don't, go find a way to get this. This is amazing. It is 
such a great game and it can help you right now maybe in some downtime if you want to be a private pilot if you want to learn how to fly or just have some fun with the community get to know some people go on twitch and live stream you know it's a great opportunity to do that so aviation i hope you enjoyed this episode as i said earlier please leave us a review on itunes follow us on instagram at pilot the pilot that is where i am most active and if you want to support the show for as little as one dollar you can go to patreon.com slash pilot the pilot there is some swag levels there as well and we are getting some new hats and some t-shirts so be on the lookout for those soon aviation i hope you're having a great day and as always happy flying